We have been uh, preaching in a series called Seeing the Eyes of, Seeing Jesus Through the Eyes of. And, uh, you know, we have seen Jesus through the eyes of 21st uh, life, 21st century life and thinking and our culture. But we're trying to go back and look through the eyes of actual people and see how that may help us understand him better. Today, we're focusing on seeing Jesus through the eyes of a humble boss. Have you ever known one of those? Well, let's find out who this humble boss is. Reading from Luke chapter 7. After he had ended all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a slave who was dear to him and who was sick and at the point of death. When he heard of Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they besought him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the multitudes that followed him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And those who had been sent returned to the house. They found the slave well. The humble boss we're talking about is a Roman centurion. Two weeks ago, I put up this picture of a Roman to show that they were not to be messed with. And this was a typical Roman, we don't know his rank, but a centurion, centurion, century, a centurion had control over a hundred men under his authority. So he was very well trained, very well disciplined. But this centurion in today's passage doesn't sound scary at all, unlike the one in the picture. And the story portrays him as a person who had, oh, he had authority and he followed all the rules and had all the training, knew how to boss people around, but he also knew that there was an emptiness inside of him. Let's read through, read through the story uh, more slowly. In uh, uh, the first verse, Jesus, in the hearing, he entered Jerusalem, uh, Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is an interesting city. It's right on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And if you look at this map, you'll see there are some black words of cities on the right side 
these cities coming from Damascus at the top, are there are 10 of them. And these 10 cities were called the Decapolis. Get it? Deck 10, just like Centurion is 100. So the Decapolis was 10 cities that had a certain kind of history. These cities were planted actually by the Greeks as a way of controlling that part of the world when Alexander the Great took over and then those who followed him. And then the Romans conquered the Greeks, so they took over that. These were more, um, a modern Jew would say, Goy cities, Gentile cities. And they were, they were run according to the Roman way of doing things. Now, Capernaum's not one of those cities. It's on the north shore of the, uh, of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And what we know about it is it was a small fishing village of about 1,500. And it was the home of Matthew and Peter and Andrew and James and John lived in a town just a few miles away from there. So this was the center of Jesus' early ministry. Later on, his ministry moved down toward Jerusalem. Why was a Roman centurion living in this little fishing village? That's what I asked. I didn't see, reading all the commentaries, anyone else cared much about that. But, but I did. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I thought he must have his authority, his soldiers, that hundred that he was responsible for, who were administering in the Decapolis, in those ten black cities on the right. And uh, that, they, that was where he worked. But Capernaum was not only a fishing village, but the name Capernaum means literally, it's a Hebrew word, the first copper means village, and the last naum means comfort. It was, a, it was a comfort village. And I think it was a kind of place where not only were there poor fishermen living, but there were also some people who had a, the ability to get away from it all and live on the shores of the sea in a little pleasant environment. And I think that's why the centurion lived there. He uh, did not have a wife or kids because they were not allowed to, but he had servants and he had a household there. And I think he came to Capernaum from his everyday work in, in governing the area um, and put his feet up and laid back and thought about what life was all about. In the process, he, um, he encountered the Jews who lived there. And that was very, very important. This man was, part of his training was not to feel, not to be vulnerable. He was supposed to be a, okay, women, you can close your ears, a man's man. And he was supposed to be a tough guy, but he didn't feel that way. And he saw something in the, in the God of the Israelites that attracted him. We're going to find out more about that here, beginning, continuing in verse 2. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly. Okay, first I want you to think about centurion slave, up, down. And then I want you to think about the phrase valued highly. We're going to see a repetition of this pattern 
uh, as we go along, and I'll point it out to you. That's, this is the, very important, I think, to understanding this passage. And uh, that word valued highly means held in honor. That was his slave. He was held in honor. This man uh, did not accept all of the norms of who was on top and who was on the bottom. He uh, had a real uh, connection with this slave. He really cared about him. And he was ill and close to death. Verse 3. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders. Well, Jewish elders? How did he send Jewish elders? Well, we're going to find out more. He sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy. Now, this, this worthiness becomes an important part of this text. He is worthy to have you do this for him. And the reason he is worthy, they say, verse 5, for he loves our people, and it is he who has built our synagogue for us. So this uh, Roman centurion had connected with the Jewish community, and he had found a, a hope, a peace, a, something that, he had missed in everything in his own background. He was attracted to the God of Israel. Now, um, I'm having all kinds of flashbacks at my age. And uh, actually, Judy and I walked back. Uh, 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 there was a, a funeral yesterday, and the, and the reception was at 140 North. It was 140, 160 North Oakland. And we lived at 120 North Oakland, two houses down. And that's where I wrote my master's thesis. And I actually turned to my master's thesis this week to do research. It was pretty good. <laughs> now, my master's thesis in 1962 was the Jewish communities of the dispersion as a background for the Book of Acts. Whoa. And one of the things I looked at in there, and I wanted to check it out myself, was there were, there were a number of people, Gentile people, like this centurion, who were really attracted to Judaism, but they, they couldn't buy into all the laws, all the kosher stuff and the, all the do's and don'ts and everything. They loved the God of Israel, but they were not attracted to the practice. And, and they therefore kind of hung on the outskirts of the synagogue and listened to what they heard, but they would not commit to the religion. There are actually 11 times in the book of Acts this word is used, God-fearer. They were called God-fearers. They feared God, but they hadn't uh, converted to Judaism. This Gentile, this centurion, was a God-fearer. And he was so connected that he actually built the synagogue with his own money for the Jewish community in, in Capernaum. That's kind of an interesting connection that he had. And because of this, when he came to them, uh, he had a knowledge of his position. He's a centurion. 
Uh, these are Jewish elders. Um, there's a slave in the picture. There's, there are things such as position, but there's another element. We're going to call it worth. So throughout this passage, we're going to look at position versus worth. I see some of you out there who have got positions. I know you're, you're Dr. So-and-so or you're um, Reverend So-and-so. Or, you know, in society, you're somebody. And, and, and there are others of you who, in society's eyes, may not have that kind of value and position. But who's worth more to God? Okay, That's what we're looking at today. This man knew about his position, but his position did not give him spiritual satisfaction. He didn't feel accepted by God. And he really shows evidence of being kind of down on himself rather than being uppity because he was a centurion. So look at verse 6. So Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, and he said, Lord, do not trouble yourself. So he's still walking toward the house, and the, the man says, He's coming? Jesus is coming? No, no, I'm not worthy. Okay, listen. Do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy. Now, the Jews had said when they came to Jesus, please heal this man's son because he is worthy. Because he's built us a synagogue. Here, he says, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume. And, and, and that word presume in the, in the Greek is I did not feel worthy to come to you. Literally, it means I did not, I am not enough to come to you. Isn't that interesting? Do you ever feel not enough? If a person's worth is measured by rank and riches, by his position, the centurion was certainly not enough but he was worthy in God's eyes and that's what we're going to find out there was an emptiness and he said I am not worthy what about the slave was he worthy right up in verse 2 centurion said he was highly valued or honored so in the centurion's eyes there was a, an adjustment going on as to who was worthy and who was not and the position did not determine the worthiness. So verse 7. Therefore I did not presume to come to you to have you come under my roof. But only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I am also a man. Listen to this. Set under authority with soldiers under me. See the pecking order? I am under authority and there are people under my authority. That's what position is all about. If you're in a work situation, you know who your boss is, and you know who your boss of. Maybe your boss of nobody, but, but, but you know what the pecking order is. You know what the, how the system works. That's position. Uh, and he goes on in verse uh, uh, 8 to say, I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, 
and the slave does it. That's what position can do for you. And actually, that's how systems work in our world. If we questioned and analyzed everything, we'd never get anything done. So we have to organize this way and to, and to have people who respect others' positions. But that does not affect our worth. I am under people, the centurion said, there are people under me. But when Jesus, look, verse 9, this is beautiful. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, the Jewish elders were probably there. And of course, they all, this was a time of, of great antagonism. And the Roman authorities were not respected. But Jesus is saying, not even in Israel have I found such faith as the faith this man is expressing. Faith, how is position and worth connected to faith? Well, faith is seeing things from God's point of view. We can see position from our point of view, but faith is seeing worth. God's point of view is has nothing to do with position. It's about worth. Verse 10, when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Faith yields positive results. In his role in society, the centurion was trained to look down. Oh, he looked up, but those people were in Rome. They were far removed. But he was trained uh, to look down. The, through his exposure to God, the God of the Jews, he found himself looking up. He found himself saying to Jesus, and he recognized God in Jesus. He said, I am not worthy. I'm, you almost get the feeling of him being on his knees and bowing. A Roman centurion in front of a, um, a, 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 a Jewish person who has, has no credentials, and no fancy robes, and no titles. Position is determined by men. Worth is established by God. We all find ourselves in positions of strength and weakness, authority and submission, looking down and looking up. There's a, the boss and employee relationship. Sometimes you feel pretty small. You feel like you're responsible for everything. There's a teacher-student relationship. And we have to accept that the teacher is the teacher and learn if we're going to learn. There's the cop and black teenager relationship in our society. There's the coach and player relationship. And that is a position, coach, player. Player has no right to argue with the coach. Afterwards, um, uh, oh, by the way, the Colorado uh, uh, coach, Sanders, that's his name. The quarterback's name is Sanders, too. That's his son. 
and when he talks to his son, but then you can see him also have that connection with his son. They played at, youth, at the Rose Bowl last night. Or uh, there's the husband-wife relationship. Of course, it may look like this. Like this. Like this. There it is. <laughs> Which one do you identify with? <laughs> Position is established by human institutions. The institution of marriage, the institution of the workplace, the institution of the school, that establishes our positions. Government, schools, traditions, racial history, the church is an institution. We like to think it's, we're better than that and everyone is worth the same, but we do have our structures, our strata in the church. Three days ago, uh, the Catholic News Agency put out a story entitled Pope Francis on Women Deacons, Holy Orders is Reserved for Men. It, it was kind of uh, grating to me because this is the enlightened pope who was going to make things different. But here he was affirming a tradition that established positions by gender. Now Connie's out of a job. Position is very important in the Catholic Church. Now, I, we went to a Catholic funeral yesterday, and honestly, it was inspiring. And you could find the Lord Jesus there. He was comfortable, so comfortable for people. But as an institution, I don't respect the Catholic Church. Of course, we're having a quarterly business We're making some decisions as a human institution, and we have to recognize that we're a human institution. This doesn't say that we have the absolute truth or date. Human institutions give position, but only God gives worth. Human institutions give titles and authority privilege, but only God gives for That's why this centurion became a humble boss. And that's why he approached Jesus. He saw that. And he approached Jesus with humility. With human positions, when someone goes up, someone else has to come down. You see that when he said, I'm under certain people and there are certain when human, in human positions, when one goes up, others have to come down. But with worth, it's not like that. Because God gives worth. It's for the individual. He fixes his eye on it. It doesn't have to do with anyone else's relative value. If he, right now, is saying deep in your heart, you are worthy. He's looking at you. It doesn't matter what your position is. When Jesus 
walked on the streets of Capernaum, he seemed to pick out the people who didn't have positions. Remember, he picked out poor people. The disciples he called were fishermen. He picked out people who were at the disease of leprosy and were outcasts. He picked out people like a woman with a shady reputation. He seemed to be saying to people at the bottom, you may not have position, but you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. And then, after three years of this kind of ministry, he allowed himself to be crucified for all the worthy little people of the world. And the people who said, I don't need this. I'm offended by this. I have position. They didn't feel the embrace of the cross. The centurion, as lofty as he was in the eyes of human institutions, was from God's point of view, as valuable as his slave and no more. And Jesus called that great faith. Lord, give us the eyes to see as this humble boss, whatever our station is in life. We are bowing before you. We are humble before you. We're not looking at other people, Lord. We're just looking at ourselves and we we feel your gaze we feel that as a loving gaze and we tend to to look around and say who is he looking at and then we realize it is it is me you're looking at it is me help us to have the faith to see as you see in Jesus name amen